morning! This is Rebecca Hansen from Mystery Science Theater 3000, and you are listening to Too Much Scrolling. I'll see you in the future. For September 4th, 2018, I'm Steve Foder. I'm Chip Hassan Flo. We're just a couple of guys sitting around talking about things that are important to us. Hopefully they're important to you. And if you need more information, there's so many great ways to find more information. This week, Chip, it is the start of the NFL football season. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> you like NFL football, right? Well, yes, like everyone else likes NFL football. Not really. You're lying. You really, you like college football better, don't I you? I love college football. Okay. I love college football. So it's, your college football started last weekend, didn't it? It, it did. Yeah? It did. Over Labor Day weekend. Yeah. They had all the great games. In fact, they had a few games the week before that. But we're right. We're, we have all those beginning games. They're all the exciting matches. There you go. You know, Louisville took on Alabama. Um, we, we have a lot of big games. And then... We start moving into the regular season mm-hmm. um, starting this week. And, you know, school is starting back for many of these universities. So, obviously, it's a very exciting time. I grew up in the South where, you know, our local team when I was growing up in mm-hmm. North Carolina was the Washington Redskins. Yeah. And so, uh, that was before the Panthers. Yeah. I grew up in Chicago where our local team is the 1985 Chicago Bears. That's probably the only <laughs> one we can cheer for. I, I, I'm sorry. We can cheer for the Bears all the time. Sure. Go ahead. But it's, it may be a long, long season. It might be a long decade. It, uh, the uh, Chicago Bears, uh, they play football. But, boy, those 1985 Bears, they did it. They were some personalities. Those are the guys that we know. Or, as the motto could be, is at least we're not Detroit. I mean, that, that could be it. At least we're not the Lions. Poor Cleveland. Oh, poor Cleveland. Poor Cleveland. Poor Cleveland. Film at 11. Brings us to our Film at 11, our movie of the week. Uh, here's the thing, Chip. I went down kind of a rabbit hole this week. I started watching a couple of movies about the National Lampoon, those guys that made so many different things happen in the history of comedy. I watched two movies. Both of them are on Netflix. The first one's called A Feudal and Stupid Gesture. This is a line from Animal House where they say that this situation requires a feudal and stupid gesture. This one came out on Netflix in January. It's the story mostly of Doug Kenny, the guy who was the father, in a lot of ways, of National Lampoon and all of the great stuff that came out of that group. All right, so there was a, a brand of comedy that came from this era. Mm-hmm. And so he wrote uh, Animal House, and what was the other film he wrote? Caddyshack. Okay, so then we have these two films. And even though Caddyshack wasn't officially a National Lampoon property. It really sort of was. All of the players in it were National Lampoon characters okay yeah so we we have the this this movie based on his life tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about it well he it's a really sad story doug kenny was growing up in a place called chagrin falls ohio which the name chagrin falls is certainly a, a funny thing that this sad character this he was like a happy clown 
with a dark sadness. He was very much like the Robin Williams kind of character. Okay. Hilarious on the outside, but you knew on the inside something was was not quite right with Doug, and you always wondered about what was going to happen with him. So it wasn't starring Puddle's Pity Party, was it? No, no. Puddle's certainly takes on that idea of the sad clown and, and changes a little bit. Doug was outwardly very joyous. So who does it star? This is Will Forte as Doug Kenny in this movie. This is not a documentary. This is a reenactment of all of the stories that happened, the historic moments in comedy. We, we've experienced a lot of historic moments in the last 40 years. So tell me a little bit about how the brand of comedy changed, say, from uh, you know the Bob Newharts of the 60s. Yeah, this was a group that changed comedy from those old-timey comedians, those those stand-up comedians. They that, show up like Bill Cosby with a suit and tie. Uh-huh, and tell their little stories, and they have their, their endings and their, their punchlines, and they walk away. This was the beginning of the baby boomer generation really becoming aware and really needing a voice. The National Lampoon was born out of the Harvard Lampoon. When Henry Beard met Doug Kenny at Harvard in the 1960s, they changed comedy forever. They were giving a voice to that new generation. And this is the story of this this writer. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so so we uh, the writers I know and the editors I know would be this gentleman, mm-hmm. John Hughes. John who did, Hughes. Who basically was the voice of the 80s. Right, he became the writer and director of movies of the 80s Pretty after Pink, his time. Breakfast Club, mm-hmm. uh, all those, some kind of wonderful. And uh, he started with National Lampoon. He was a writer on the magazine. And P.J. O'Rourke, who is, is known for satire and basically just beating things over the head. Well, that's what National Lampoon was known for. Sure. It's certainly a, a satirical look at all sorts of things. And yes, beating things over the head was certainly a part of that magazine. All right, so you saw this on Netflix. Would you recommend it? I would. This movie is based on our book of the week, which is A Feudal and Stupid Gesture by Josh Karp. This was published in 2006, and it goes even more deeply into the life of Doug Kenny and all of the things that happened in order for us to get to the point where we got Animal House and Caddyshack near the end of his life. So that's a little um, uh, tell about what's going to happen in the future of our show. Steve, we're going to talk about this book. So let's go to the second National Lampoon movie that you saw. The second National Lampoon movie on Netflix right now is called Drunk, Stoned, Brilliant, Dead. This is also based on a book all about these guys and where this comedy came from. This one's a documentary. This has a lot of interviews with Henry Beard and all of the cast of people that are still around Chevy Chase is featured very heavily in this one I'm very glad you got to see this yeah. I obviously uh, I think we reviewed this a few years ago yeah we saw this in t- you I'm sorry you saw this in 2015 when it came out and I didn't get a chance to see it until today because I finally had it on Netflix Netflix has changed my viewing habits in a lot of ways you rented it you paid oh, six dollars right. to see this one three years ago wow and I just waited my time and got to see see this one so three years later steve you're like in the future i'm catching up <laughs> this, this documentary goes into 
all of the lifestyle that was the National Lampoon and led up to all of the things that we know today in comedy. The idea of John Belushi, Gilda Radner, Chevy Chase, Christopher Guest, and Bill Murray walking into National Lampoon to start this National Lampoon radio hour. Oh, that's hilarious. That is a moment. That is a historic moment. And then when NBC wanted to make a TV show out of it, they came to National Lampoon and said, we want to make a Saturday night TV show based on the National Lampoon radio hour. The guys at National Lampoon said, we are not television producers. We don't know television. We make this magazine and we're really busy. We don't have time to make a television show. So the magazine is pretty much irrelevant now. Uh-huh. The radio hour is gone, yes, but Saturday Night Live remains. How yeah. about that for our decisions? Yeah, we're, we're going on to year 45 of Saturday Night Live and it is it's gone through its hills and valleys in the last 45 years but it's still a powerful comedy show now if you haven't had a chance to listen to the albums or the the recordings Mm -hmm. um, I would suggest you do so I still remember a number and they really are they're all the Saturday Night Live people Mm -hmm. but they had this uh, one skit that we were kind of talking about the Jacques Cousteau type of guy (laughs) talking about the majestic whales out in the ocean and we should go listen to their their uh, talks the and all it is beautiful sounds, <laughs> <laughs> which is always funny. <laughs> that is always funny. This is so fart, sophomoric. Fart noises, yes. lots of fart noises in the bubbles. And, and I have to say that I never read National Lampoon magazine as a kid because it just wasn't for me. Well, it was. It, it was an adult yeah. magazine at that time. It would be sold um, next to Playboy. Mm-hmm. And that was because they had usually pictures of breasts. Mm-hmm. And women, beautiful women. And, uh, not full nudity, I don't think. But. Uh, there was there was some pretty pretty raunchy stuff going on. Okay. Usually, I mean, it would be kind of sexist. Mm-hmm. It would be a good way of describing it. There's Definitely male-centered of... world there. And, and maybe that's looking back now and in my middle age, I see that this is very sexist and very racist it it certainly is of an era yes i I will say it is of an era Mm -hmm. um we were talking uh as we were kind of preparing for this a little bit about you know blazing saddles Mm -hmm. and about you know how effortlessly they they threw out the n-word and stuff like that it just seemed to be very much a part of um, the National satire. The, the effort in Blazing Saddles was to point out that that was not okay. Treating people of different races or colors or anything else was not okay. The, when Mel Brooks dressed up as an Indian and spoke Yiddish, that was making a very strong point about who we are. I thought when they were eating beans, Steve. <laughs> that was just silly. That was just sophomore. That's back to fart noises right there. Way to bring it down. National Lampoon, I I know that they were being satirical. I know that they were trying to say, this is a wrong thing, don't do this. But at the same time, I'm not sure how much they believed it. Because there's so many sexist and racist things happening in there that I don't see the satire part of. Well, yeah, I think it definitely was of its time. Mm -hmm. It, It certainly was, and it was certainly made for a generation before us the baby boomer generation sure these sure. guys were in college in the 60s they started the magazine in the 1970s well, they were rebelling against the stuffiness of or what they perceived was the stuffiness of the of the 50s and 60s correct and they and they moved into this hey new uh, era and and you know today's person looks at it and goes oh look at you how quaint you guys are 
with your sexist and racist jokes. That's right. And uh, we, we've moved beyond to a new era, the current era of, of comedy. And the next generation of comedy certainly grew from these sure. guys in National Lampoon. In the documentary Drunk, Stoned, Brilliant, Dead, our friend Mike Reese is featured as one of the writers from National Lampoon who went on to be a writer on The Simpsons for the last 30 years. Right. That was pretty amazing to see him in there. I was like, oh, I know that guy. I've talked to him for hours. So that was that was great to think about how that moment in history impacted all of comedy from there to now. There are echoes of all of those guys in movies today. You saw a movie called Gone Girl from 2014. I have not seen this one yet. Don't ruin it for me. Well, in fact, <laughs> it is a good movie to kind of go see. Mm -hmm. it, it stars, of course, Bruce Wayne. Uh, uh, one of the many Bruce Waynes. This is the, this is the one who uh, was in Phantoms, right? Yeah, yeah he was the one who's uh, asked if you bleed, Steve. <laughs> he was the one. It, it's Martha's. Martha's. Martha's uh, son. Yes, Martha's son. <laughs> um, this is Ben Affleck. Oh, Ben uh, Affleck. The, the view askew Ben Affleck, right? Oh yes. yes. <laughs> so this is um, Ben Affleck. He is the big guy who would eventually go on and play Batman in mm -hmm. this. Um, this is definitely based off. A book, yeah, bestseller, and and there's a lot of twists and craziness going on. Mm -hmm. um, I, if you tell too much about it, you'll end up missing kind of sort of the journey you want to go uh, and take. This very much is in the, the vein of, of Tully. This is very much in the, uh, the uh, vein of um, Get Out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a Twilight Zone episode. Ah. Um, you're, you're going to watch it, and then you know, you're going to analyze yourself after you finish watching it. Okay. I, I enjoyed this. Um, I, I don't think this was the greatest film ever, but I do think that if you're sitting down, it's a Monday night, you're going to flip on something to watch, and you want to stream this, I think you're going to be very happy with it. There you go. So this is good, not great. I would say probably 60 out of 100. That's pretty high for your scores. Your scores are usually in the 50s, so that's pretty good. I do plan to see this movie, and then I plan to read the book. I am told that the book is so much better than the movie, like it normally is. And it seems to be one of those where I can get the idea of the story from watching the movie and then delve deeper by reading the book afterwards. All right. Opening this week, we've got some movies that I... I'm not sure that I'm going to delve deeper into any of these titles, but there is a... Uh, a Boo! Scary movie coming out this week called The Nun. Religion and nuns, Steve, make the horror movies. Uh-huh. And this one is, uh, there's jump scares. In fact, the yeah, uh, I remember sitting in the theater. <laughs> I'm with uh, a person. I'm watching it. And mm -hmm. uh, hands are over the eyes. Uh, because, yes, this is a scary movie. And the jump scare in the trailer is, is a really deep jump scare. I, all I can say is... Um, they want to make nuns scary people, Steve. Uh, yeah, I could see that. I could see taking a part of our society and making it scary like this. I get it. I, I don't plan on seeing this film. There are other stories about religion in in this week's openings. There's one called The Apparition. This, this one's is, in Spanish, isn't it, Steve? <laughs> this is French. Oh, there the are, other Spanish. There are other languages other than Spanish and English. This one's in French. It's the story of a journalist sent by the Vatican to investigate a young girl who claims to be visited by an apparition of the Virgin Mary. This one stars uh, nuns too, Steve. Yes, there are nuns in this one as well not nearly as scary as the jump scare nun <laughs> that's what they should have called it the jump scare nun <laughs> 
There is another film. This is this one is very interesting to me. This is Zambian-born Welsh director who makes her feature film debut. The film is called I Am Not a Witch. And this one is also in Spanish, Steve. <laughs> this, one, this one takes place in Africa. So it's got African languages at the beginning, and then it swings into English as we go on further into the story. Oh. This is a very interesting story about an eight-year-old girl who is accused of witchcraft and sent away way to a camp where there are hundreds of women who are being accused of witchcraft and she has to choose to join them or to go back to normal society this looks like a gripping tale so this is a story about salem massachusetts not in salem massachusetts (laughs) this is salem africa I'm not sure if that's a thing, but maybe maybe we can make it. That that one looks like a really good one. Uh, speaking of Ben Affleck, remember his ex-wife? Oh yes, the ca- Capital One lady. Uh, the the lady from Alias. Jennifer Garner is starring in a new movie this week she, called Peppermint. She's going to star as the Punisher, isn't she? This is the female Punisher. This is the story of a, a normal family who suffers a terrible loss at the hands of a a gang and she goes into hiding for five years and comes back and battles the Terminator. No, sorry, wrong movie. (laughs) She goes through training, Steve. Uh Does she have an Obi-Wan? I I don't think so. I think she is just, she is an over... She's self-trained, Steve. I think so. She becomes one with the force and then goes takes on the bad guys. I, I wonder if this has anything to do with her personal life. I, I don't wonder know. if there's anything in Jennifer Garner's angry about things that are happening with Ben Affleck life that she channeled into this character. She's angry about the high interest rates. <laughs> Capital One. (laughs) They can help. There is a film called God Bless the Broken Road that's opening this week. The the Rascal Flax song. Yeah. Which has nothing to do with this film. Okay. This is a film about, uh, I guess, uh, two gentlemen Mm -hmm. out uh, in the military. And one of the gentlemen passes away. Mm -hmm. Passes a cross necklace over to the other gentleman who must deliver it to the gentleman who passes away's wife. Yeah. Um, there's a religious element to this. Yep. And um, it looks capable. It really Se- does. Seems like an improper use of a name. <laughs> Bad title. Bad title. Bad title. The movie. There's another one called Great, Great, Great. This is a Canadian film uh, talking about relationships and love and divorce and all of those things that come up in adulthood. They don't speak Spanish in Canada, do they, Steve? No, it's still French. Oh, okay. It's still French. Okay. This is not a French speaking. This this, is, they speak the other English. Right. This is this is definitely Canadian. You could tell from the beginning of the trailer that this is a very nice group of people it's going a, it's through a, a situation and they're going to be very nice to each other. Quirky dramedy, Steve. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what that one is. There is a new show starting on Showtime this week. It's called Kidding, and it stars Jim Carrey. I'm going to go back and you know Donald Trump was pretty good at naming people during his campaign. Mm-hmm. So this is dark Jim Carrey. Yes. <laughs> This is Jim Carrey, who is in a very dark place in his life right now. Has been for a few years since he suffered some tragedies. So let's give us a setup because yeah. what um, immediately you say, oh, this is a 
dark uh, Mr. Rogers type of character, That's children's a, programmer. That is precisely what this is. This is a children's television host who is very nice and very genuine. There's no doubt that this is a direct mirror to what Mr. Rogers was in our real life. But then the dark twist comes and he has a psychotic break because of tragedies that happen in his family and terrible dark things happen as a result. Now, Jim Carrey is an incredibly gifted actor. Mm-hmm. Um, comedy is definitely something he's very good at, and he's shown that he has uh, uh, drama chops too. Yes. But his choice of material, or the material he's choosing to do right now, mm-hmm. certainly has a theme to it, um, and is an area that I, I wish he would kind of break out of. This looks interesting. I'm sure that uh, it's capable, but it's certainly not a journey I I, I want to take with it. I have watched the pilot on this, and I I did not enjoy it one bit. I I hated every moment of it because I am such a big devotee of Mr. Rogers and what he stood for. This is really spitting in the face of my memory of Mr. Rogers. And, and, and personally, and, and certainly I don't know Jim Carrey at all. I, I saw his interview with um, with uh, in Comedian's Car Getting Coffee with Jerry Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. And I think that, he, uh, that Jim Carrey is definitely a person who's searching right now. Right. And his choice of material is is reflecting this this searching, and I like I said I, th- I think that the brightness that he has, um, he could exploit that more. And I think we would enjoy being the, uh, with the brightness. Hopefully, he will find his way and find we can find joy in life again. I, I think he's really struggling now. That's on Showtime, so you can always uh, stream that on the app, mm-hmm. or if you have uh, a, a television service, Steve. And Steve would go, what is a television service? Oh, do they still have that? They still have a cable that they'll snake up to your house and you can watch stuff? Yes, Steve. And, and your television is that. in that one location. <laughs> right. I remember that. Book it, book it, book it. Book it, book it, book it. Book it. Book it. Brings us to our book at our book of the week. Like I said, I have been delving deep into the history of the National Lampoon and all of the things that were a result of those historic moments. I watched Aretha Franklin and John McCain's Celebrations of Life this weekend, and I was really touched by who they were and how they were able to change history through their actions. The National Lampoon has changed comedy through the way that they put together words in the 60s and 70s. Well, yes. I, I think that what ends up happening is we definitely had a growth from, uh, I, I wouldn't say it was a stoic period. I mean, I use Bob Newhart and Jack Parr. You know, even, even during our time, Johnny Carson, Johnny Carson was, was, certainly... was a throwback to that time mm-hmm. where, you know, the, the comedian would come up and would have a suit and tie and would deliver it. Now, we all, we we had other comedians mm-hmm. that were kind of breaking through in the 50s and 60s, but these were the ones who were the, the everyday comedians. From that, we get this National Lampoon magazine, which is a fight back from that. We talked about the the magazines of that time. We had Mad Magazine, mm-hmm. which was starting in the fifties, but really in the sixties and seventies and eighties. It was big in the eighties. I was a subscriber to Mad Magazine in the eighties. Okay, and I looked at it as a nostalgic play. We had we had we had 
Playboy, mm-hmm. once again, maybe started in the 50s, but really 60s, 70s were, I would say, the heydays. That baby boom generation certainly changed everything. Publishing, television, comedy, everything was changed. So from, from Hughes, what would we get? We get uh, highbrow authors, investigative reportings, and then lowbrow humor, mm-hmm. and of course, nude pictures. And then we, th- we throw in National Lampoon, which was, you know, the college version of this, mm-hmm. which um, definitely, you know, we had P.J. O'Rourke, we had John Hughes, uh, and we had a, a plethora of, of writers that we still echo through today. Because of all of the stair steps of influence that these guys made onto today's comedy. I read a couple of different books this week. A Feudal and Stupid Gesture, which was published in 2006 by Josh Karp. And this is about who? This is about Doug Kenny, the writer who passed away in his 30s, okay. who was the one of the two guys who made the National Lampoon magazine. All right, now, so he, he passed away during Caddyshack's filming? This was right after Caddyshack. Okay. The story goes that Caddyshack was such a huge burden upon him, he felt like it was not what it should have been. He felt so badly about it. He was also a huge drug user at this point, and he was in a very dark place. Chevy Chase was asked to take Doug Kenny to Hawaii so that he could get back to himself. What blows me away is that we still, my generation, still looks at Caddyshack and we can do we can do the quotes. I mean, it became a you, classic. You're in, you're in bed and you, you want to you know open a bottle of baby oil and pour it all over the the uh, the bed. What are you the bumbling uh, um, Chevy Chase in that? And and part of the reason why it's such a classic is because of the great editing. I you remember I reviewed the book Caddyshack: The Making of a Hollywood sure. Cinderella Story a few weeks ago that just came out uh, in the summer. Caddyshack was all of those great comedians of the day. Ted Knight. Just riffing. uh, Rodney Dangerfield. Mm -hmm. Rodney Dangerfield's first film. Uh And it was directed by Harold Ramis, who at the time really did not understand how to direct a film. So they would party all night. And then they would just let these comedians go. That baby oil scene that you mentioned is an improv. That was not in the script. That was Chevy Chase opening a bottle of baby oil and pouring out on a young lady who did not expect it. All of her reactions are genuine because that was not scripted. I think I remember from the uh, your review of the book, it's when they said, oh, there's not a scene with Bill Murray and Chevy Chase. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's go talk about grass. Let's put them together and see what happens. And that's the scene that we got. Doug Kenny looked at this as the writer of this material and said, this is not what I wrote. This is not what I wanted. This is not the film that I wanted to have. And he was in a depressed mode when Chevy Chase brought him to Hawaii. Chevy Chase then left Hawaii because he had to go do something else and left Doug Kenny alone. Chevy Chase to this day regrets that motion because Doug Kenny was not seen again. He fell down what they call the Grand Canyon in Hawaii and he died. And there's always been some speculation of whether it was a suicide or if it was a a terrible, futile accident. Well, that that shows um, when I say broken, that's not a mm-hmm. fair word. You know, many times getting in touch with comedy is, is dealing with something and many they go times. to dark places. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit more about this book, uh, The Feudal and Stupid Gesture, about comic genius uh, Doug Kenny. 
I didn't know National Lampoon magazine until National Lampoon's vacation in 1983. That's okay. the first time that I heard of this group. And I, I knew it from my uncle. My uncle mm-hmm. um, had a lot of copies. We'd go visit him down in Atlanta. Between the Mad Magazines and National Lampoon. There was a lot of comic writing going on. A lot, a lot of um, naked ladies, A Steve. lot of naked ladies in the National Lampoon. That is certainly a part of the history of this. I found the comedy of Vacation to be perfect for me when I first saw that when I was, what, like 12 years old. Sure. You got Chrissy Brinkley. Yes. That was a symbol. That movie, the whole movie, is a symbol of what they were trying to do with the National Lampoon magazine. Same thing with Animal House. I saw Animal House after National Lampoon's vacation. Animal House was that same idea. Sort of like Gene Shepard's Christmas uh, Christmas story Mm -hmm. and his writings. You know, National Lampoon's was a little bit racier. And certainly nostalgic, but, you know, it's dad sort of having his moments. Like, mm-hmm. you know, well, Clark was this wonderful guy who who had grandiose dreams, and uh, his family was the recipient of those grandiose and dreams. And they didn't work out nearly as well as he expected them to work out. That dad who wants the best for his family, but is just a bumbling fool sometimes, and the things just don't work out the way that he was expecting. Speaking of which, Steve, was that the beginning of the father being the bumbling person? Oh, I'm sure the father has been the bumbling person in, in stories certainly before wasn't. that. We- Ward wasn't in Leave no, it the Beaver. absolutely not. He was always the father figure. My father three knows sons, best. Father Knows Best. Those are strong, stoic characters. And Maybe you've hit upon something. Yeah, and then from at some point, Dad becomes this person who can't even tie his shoes. Mm-hmm. And if Mom wasn't there, he probably couldn't get dressed. And then we get Homer Simpson. Uh, exactly. Uh-huh. Very oh, interesting. Did, did we just discover something? We may oh, have. We, we may have. A Feudal and Stupid Gesture by Josh Carp is a good book. It is mired in names. Okay. There are so many people involved. Gandalf of Third yes. Fair Dawn. <laughs> it is mired in that, especially in the beginning, before we actually get the story to Harvard, where Henry Beard and Doug Kenny meet for the first time. That's a moment. That is a historic moment. When those two met, it was... It was just the same as when John Cleese and Graham Chapman met and sure. formed Monty Python. That was a historic moment. You know, just like when John Lennon and Paul McCartney met. That changed everything. Well, it became the, the new Ten Pan Alley, mm-hmm. sort of. These, um, I, I can't remember, what was it, Deconstructing the Beatles? Mm-hmm. When, um, when um, you know, we had the conversation, and they and I think it was John Lennon or Paul McCartney. One of them turned the other and goes, this is going to be a brand new pool. Basically, they were just monetizing the song that they were writing right there. Yep. How, how about that for, uh, like, oh, they were deep feeling. No, they were. No. They recognized that they had to make. They were making commercial work too. And same thing with the Monty Pythons, and same thing with the National Lampoons. They were doing business, and they were getting work done. This is a, an interesting story about being a workaholic. Okay. Uh, Doug Kenny w- worked so many hours, far too many hours. Uh, Henry Beard is still alive. He still tells the story about when Doug Kenny left. He took over National Lampoon magazine. He would write and write and write, go home, 
go to sleep, come back the next morning, eight hours later, and get right back to writing. He was working himself to death, which is why he left National Lampoon. Well, I think that's what ends up happening. That's youth, by the way. Mm -hmm. You're you're, you're so busy and craving to make it Mm -hmm. that you'll do anything to get to that point. And then at some point, you either break down or you, you, you... you change right. what your focus is. Mm-hmm. Um, th- th- I don't think that's uncommon. It, what it takes a small business or what it takes an individual, especially in entertainment, to make it mm-hmm. is, a, is lot a lot of hard work. It, it truly is. Yeah. I like this book. I really enjoyed the Caddyshack, the making of a Hollywood Cinderella story better. I think that that was a much better narrative of the making of one specific film as opposed to the whole history of this 30, 40 years of all of these different people in and out of the story. The other book, Drunk, Stoned, Brilliant, Dead, the writers and artists who made the National Lampoon insanely great, that one was published in 2010. I haven't read that one yet. I'm not sure that I need to soon. Maybe I'll put that off for another National Lampoon episode down the line. That's right. You've dipped into material. You have a a large body of knowledge. You're not sure if you're going to gain anything from adding another... Another three or four years down the line, maybe we'll, we'll read more about National Lampoon. Sure, sure. Appetite. Brings us to our appetite. We, we talk about apps on this show. We, at one time, we talked about we apps. To. We used but, to talk about apps all the time, but you found an interesting app this week. So I was at a dinner, mm-hmm. and we're sitting around talking. And um, the person I'm talking to was talking about their running app that they use. So normally we put on, if you go walking like I do, or you're a runner, normally you put on your headphones, you put on your favorite music list, and press play, and and you're you're off to do your exercise, And hopefully that music will cause some motivation in you. So you have those those motivations to keep walking, that music, having that beat getting there. In fact, I think the Nike app will choose music Based to get you to the steps you need. That's As brilliant. A, they kind of do, a they, rhythm. Yeah. Oh. Now I use map my my run okay. when I do that. But my point is, is that there are others. There's alternatives, Steve, and some of them are a lot of fun. So the one that you brought to us today is called Zombies Run. That's that's an intriguing title for an app. It's a game. It's a game. So when you're out for your run, let's say you're going to go do your five uh, k, your your three point one miles. Yeah, good for you. Well, that's, 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 that's a, a good amount where you're not beating your body to death, uh-huh. but you're also getting the blood moving pretty good. Okay. And so let's just say you want to do that, but you want to gamify it, Steve. Mm-hmm. And that's the latest, uh, when I say the latest, for the last few years, taking something that could be dreary for some people or something that may not be enjoyable, finding a way to gamify it. Mm-hmm. How about that, that for a word? I feel like I'm talking on ESPN right now. Yes. Um, but anyway, and and motivating you to do it mm-hmm. well we, we talk about that in the classroom all the time how can we motivate students to want to get to the goal that we're setting some people are afraid of zombies steve oh sh- uh, most people should be afraid of zombies oh, well, zombies we are go. scary well the, the 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 part of the game that's interesting is as you press play to go mm-hmm. 
the story begins. So while it's playing your favorite music... Using your playlist. That's right. It's uh, stopping to say that there are zombies behind you around that corner over there, and you better take off on a sprint, Steve. And there's like news stories that, that come in, right? There's a notification that something's happening, and you are in the middle of this story. You are the protagonist, and you have to run away from the zombies, and that is even more motivation to do the thing you want to do. So think about what Pokemon Go did it mm-hmm. used um the gps uh-huh because it knew the terrain and, and guess what it knows the terrain when you're running anyway so this is augmented reality just like the pokemon go but it's audio form instead of visual correct correct so wow you've got a game and you can go for a run and have the game play with you <laughs> in russia game plays with you you are the star of this game steve that's awesome this, this is, is this is a great idea yeah, they, they could have walked and dead it, but they didn't. Well, they probably didn't have to actually get those voice actors. The voice actors on this certainly add to the tension of this story. So every run becomes a mission. That's what they say in this. Ah. And there you go. That's how you gain whatever you gain on it. That's awesome. So I, I, I'm sitting here listening to this going, this is brilliant. This is good. Mm-hmm. So there you go. If, you, if you're afraid of zombies, Steve... This and you is want the to running run. app for you. This it might be the only way to motivate me to run. If if either zombies were chasing me or if the doctor showed up and said run, that would that would only that'd be the only way. <laughs> you just need somebody. What you need is the rock up there, Steve. Eating your cod every day, going for a run, <laughs> doing your workout. There you go. Arr. That's called Zombies Run. You can find it on your app store. Grow with it. We mentioned at the beginning that it's football season. You got college football that started last weekend, got NFL football coming up this weekend. ESPN is still the leader in sports, right? It is. Okay. All right. So if you're going to watch NFL games, you can watch the NFL app. You can um, go to you know CBS or Fox's app and you can watch the games as they're live. And DirecTV still has their big contract for all the games, right? Sure. Well, at least for now. I think every cable service has their version of it. Okay. Um, so you can watch whatever team you want. So let's just say that the Bears have lost and you wanted to watch another game. Shocking. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen. Well, uh, ESPN um, has started, rolled out ESPN Plus. Okay. Which is a standalone app. I'm sorry, which is an app that is integrated in their current ESPN app. Hmm. Now, they ESPN Plus is $7.99 a month. Uh, they've signed with um, a number of sports leagues, so conferences, for football games. They've signed with um, Major League Soccer. They've signed with a number of other type of uh, programming. And uh, it is a standalone service. It has become incredibly confusing. Because I have DirecTV. Okay, so you have access to ESPN through that service. Sure, and usually uh, ESPN, uh, let's just say you use college football as an as a, um, example. You have your, your local games that will show on through your ESPN app. So I may get Northwestern is playing Illinois. Okay. Uh, okay. Great, great, I can watch this. Now, in another market, I grew up in North Carolina, Duke is playing Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, you know, most people in Chicago, many people don't have interest in watching that, but I'm from the area. Maybe I have interest in watching that. I would go to the app on an Apple TV or a Roku or something like that. A, a Even on your Fire phone? Stick. Okay. And I could go and I would go to the ESPN app and it would stream 
on ESPN3. The third channel. So there's ESPN, ESPN2, and ESPN3, which is only streaming right now? It's um, it, it's streaming. Okay. That's where that's where you typically would want. Okay. Maybe it's on some extended channels in your cable package of Comcast or, or DirecTV or Dish or something. But the point is, is by going to the app, it made it really elegant. You can just go, oh, that's the game I want to watch. Miami is playing Florida State. I'll press play right mm-hmm. there. Well, that had worked real, real well. It was um, simple. It was elegant. It was kind of, you know, they're still trying to figure it out, but They've now added this ESPN Plus to the app that you've got all these games listed that you're not part of. Now, because you've you don't already, pay the extra. Yeah, but yeah, you've already paid for the service, mm-hmm. so now it's it's just like a constant – it's noisy. Mm. It's, a, it's really a noisy app. In fact, it's so noisy that I stopped going to the app. Wow. Now, I, I would have naturally stopped going to the app because, you know, football season wasn't around and stuff like that, but – I, I still went to it to watch a program here and there because their programs were on demand. Mm-hmm. Wow, what what a mess this has turned into. Wow. But this is what, you know, uh, we don't, may not know this, but Disney owns ESPN. Yes. And Disney's app's going to get rolled out. And, and so, we, so We have something on the horizon where Disney's going to give us all of this information. And the speculation about how much information are they going to give us. Are we going to see the whole back catalog? Are we going to see you know monthly updates of certain films? What is it going to look like? ESPN's app certainly does not bode well for that. No, it's incredibly noisy. And it's incredibly um, not intuitive mm. where the previous one was. Now, we're in this tweener stage right now where they're still trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Awfulannouncing.com uh, is where um, we, I pulled the, the article for the, our comments on this. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're they're having the similar feeling where it is just a noisy um, Very confusing. App. And, and, it, and it did. Where something was, when you knew that ESPN3 was all streaming, mm-hmm. ESPN Plus has become just this overlay. And you're kind of going, well, I thought I already subscribed to everything. Right. But I didn't. Why do I need to give you more money for this? I have this service. ESPN is already the most expensive channel on right. your cable package. And now we've got this this new version. Oh. I, I, um, I'm, I'm not uh, very happy with mm-hmm. this change. But we know it's this is... We're in the tweener. We're in that stage where they're still trying to figure it out. The number of cable subscribers is certainly declining, and ESPN is looking forward and seeing that number going down and trying to rev us up for the next generation of watching sports. All right, so here, this is, I'm going to read, just read this. If broadcast uh, schedule says ESPN+, Plus, it's exclusive to ESPN+. Plus. Okay. If broadcast says it's ESPN3, it's exclusive to ESPN3. However, some ESPN3 games might simulcast on your linear network. That means broadcast through Dish or through DirecTV Depending or Comcast. Depending on your or media geographic com. location. Correct. Wow. Correct. Um, and the same go uh, the same piece with the app. Because you now have a linear subscription, that doesn't mean you have access to ESPN Plus contact. Wow. I mean, it's just... Wow, there's just it's it sounds like well it'd be so intuitive. No it isn't. It's noisy. Hmm. And it's just not elegant. So there you go. There you go. There if you have anything that you want to add to that, send us an email. I'd love to hear about it. I don't understand anything that you just said. There was something about sports ball, right? Uh, there is something <laughs> about sports ball, Steve. I don't I don't watch any of this. I don't 
worry about it as much as a lot of people do. A lot of people really tune into cable, get a cable subscription because of sports. Sports is a big part of that market right now. Well, that's changing quickly. Mm-hmm. All this stuff is now available streaming. It's so much easier to get to when we're streaming. When it works. When it's not noisy and cluttered and full of confusion. Absolutely. I think we have enough information to survive another week. What do you think, Chip? Only if we can come back next week, Steve. I think we can. I think we're ready for some football, as long as it's not confusing. (laughs) If you have any questions, if you have any information, you want to share your opinions of all these things that we've been talking about this week, give us a call or a text. Our phone number is 805-4104-TMS. Our website is toomuchscrolling.com. Our email is toomuchscrolling at gmail.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We're on iTunes and Stitcher and TuneIn Radio. And every day of the week, you can go to our news site that's not confusing you can go to news.toomuchscrolling.com i want to thank you again for listening to too much scrolling i'm steve foder i'm chip hessenflow we'll see you in the future I just